Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast scene. The Downstairs Athletic Club yesterday. Happy to be joined by Doug the Carthaginian, who was in town for, yep. for business and stuck around to watch the Iowa game. Uh, you were a little busy in the morning, but you were able to come to the DAC, come down. And the funny thing was, was Iowa was on a roll. Right when you got here, they fumbled at the goal line, wound up kicking a field goal. We were, And then Purdue went right down the field. And kicked a field goal, And right? kicked a yep. field goal, and, we're, and, and Doug and I were like, but Kurt might need to watch the second half upstairs, jokingly, obviously. But I did take a a brief exit, and things turned around. We all have stories like that. Every one of us knows there's actual no real connection, but that's what sports and fandom does to us. It turns us into complete lunatics. I mean, I think I have mentioned this on the cast before. I was literally, by all my Illinois buddies, I was barred from attending a game in person. I could watch on TV but I was no longer welcome at any games because like bad things happened when I was there. The mush factor. Yeah. Um, luckily, I was able to, you know, pull things back together and you stayed down for the whole second half. I famously snapped a 27 game win streak for the baseball team. <laughs> Infamously, I think is the way to put yes. that. Um, then uh, Doug the Carthaginian was going to take off. We guilted him into staying at least for the first half uh, in support of you and your yep. line. I um, you know, frustrating first half, uh, Doug had to take off, hit the road. He did the right thing. <laughs> me and you, it was just me and you down, you know, cheering for the Illini. Um, in the, the last, what actually wound up being the last touchdown for Michigan state. I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly having a conversation back and forth with Kurt. I'm just kind of leaving him no, be. There was at no this conversation point. at this point. I and was, then he just gets up. I was in, there was a bubble. There's like a force there was, field around there was. me. Yeah. It was a force field of anger. Yes. And then you just got up and went upstairs. And I'm like, probably going to refresh his drink. I get it. Uh, what's that? Did I just hear the front door? Gone. Yeah. It was one of the best Irish exits pulled off by a seasoned veteran uh, of I'm a, Irish exits. I, I'm, a, I'm a pro. I'm a trained professional at the Irish exit. But it was a good one because, like, you know, obviously I could just say, I could turn to you and say, I'm pissed. I'm just going to yep. leave. There I, was no need to you communicate don't need to do that. that. No. By the way, Illinois scored almost immediately. Almost there's immediately. No, there's no chance you were home by the by the time Illinois no, scored. They went right down the field. Yep, I was, yeah. I was in the car. So I don't know if you really have control over space and time, but it it did feel like that yesterday. Not control, but some influence, I'm just going to say. Because <laughs> yes. if you controlled it, it would have looked a lot yes, different. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Good job. Good job. All right. Got anything else or should we jump right into well, this? Well, okay. I, th- I was, let's just have the discussion right now about weather in general. Yes. I mean, weather, th- these games would look, would have looked completely different then they ended up looking. Yeah. This is probably going to be the worst weather weekend of the season. I, I would hope anyway. How do you feel about weather games like this? Um, they are a part of the deal. I know. I just I don't enjoy it, though, personally. I don't want to uh, see the weather affecting the game that much. Okay. I'm going to talk out of two sides of my mouth. And I'm going to do the same. But I like, know. You I'm have not to... taking Jim in Minnesota's side where he's like, build a dome over every Big Ten stadium. No, I don't want domes either. I'm just either. way too old school for that. But I understand, like, okay, you got to be prepared for everything. And if you can't do, if you can't play grind it out football, then you're, you you have a chance of losing. I think you're, it's ro- an, you're rolling I, the dice. If you can't do that, I think it's an equalizer. It for, is equalizer. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing anybody can do about mother nature, except of course, actually building the domes. That's not football to me. I think no, I, I don't like having that. an outdoor atmosphere, certainly for, for the 90% of the games, if not higher that are in good or fine weather, having the outdoor atmosphere is totally worth it. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I mean, I put a tweet out this morning, something to the effect of Ohio State deserves to get a little bit of heat for not doing better in the conditions when both Ohio State and Northwestern are in the same conditions. conditions. At the same time, people in the South need to realize it is a disadvantage for teams in the North. And if they came up North ever to play in the 
you know, projecting forward if they do playoffs with home uh, uh, stadiums in the cold, it would definitely be advantage for teams that are cold weather teams because you have to be able to fight on all terrains, so to speak. Yeah, that's definitely a disadvantage for northern teams because you have to play a style of football that prepares you to win games like that. But then once you get to the playoffs and the championship, you know that weather's not an option. It's out of the equation. So it's a different brand that you can get away with. It is. That's it a is. disadvantage. It is. Like, people that say such and such team from the SEC, if they played in the Big 12, they would go 12-0, and 0, of course. That's what SEC fans say all the time because right. it's it's downloaded into their teeny walnut-sized brains. <laughs> but let's be honest. If these pass-based teams were playing in the North, they would not right. win games like this because right. – it, it would be a shock to their systems. Okay, now I'm like yesterday. It was cold. It was windy. It was a raining a little bit in some of the locations at times. I guess the the games that really bother my big, so to speak, is when it gets super sloppy and yes. it's just not even football anymore. I understand. I, I just don't like that. There is a time where the elements kind of add to it. It's almost like I don't know if this analogy is going to work, but how a baseball game can change going from one stadium to the next on whether a, a home run gets out of the park sure. or not, yeah. depending on the wind and yeah. you know all that in the measurements. So sometimes you get that. And then there's times where like the wind is blowing straight in from center field so much where you know there's no chance all day of a home run even getting remotely hit. And yeah. you're like, you're kind of bummed out by it. Yeah. Something like that. Right. There, there's a mix in there. So I'm with you there. Yeah. But I guess. So yesterday, okay with. <clears throat> Monsoon, rain sideways, not okay with. And I think the first game we're going to break down here definitely shut down. It, it put a gigantic governor on some of the fun that could have been had yes. in the game. Um, yeah. And we'll we'll get into that. Um, and then, you know, it's it's wind is the biggest thing. I mean, that was the, the big factor part, the, yesterday. The rain. Yeah. And I would say another thing is, is it going sideways or you know, straight through yeah. that, that makes a difference too, for but sure. we will get into that. There's a couple other things we can break down afterwards too, but ready? Yeah. Okay. First game up Ohio state 21 Northwestern seven, the Buckeyes with 283 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, <laughs> 285. Did you break this down? Did you take a look at this? Yeah, sure. I took a look at it. Brandon Sullivan, 10 of 14, 79 yards. C.J. Stroud, 10 of 26, <laughs> 76 yards. Team rushing for Northwestern, 206 yards. Team rushing for Ohio State, 207. It's incredible. We'll, we have never seen a statistical breakdown that close of two teams. And, of course, when it's Ohio State <laughs> and Northwestern, what pretty much everybody thinks is either the best or the second-best team in the Big Ten and the worst team in the Big Ten, when they're that close statistically – you know something is going down. Right. So would you say that the weather affected this one too much? Yes. I agree. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, 17 touch or first downs for Northwestern, only 13 for yeah. Ohio State. Uh, they also controlled the clock, 36 minutes to 23. Uh, no turnovers, though, miraculously in this game. You would think something would have happened. Because the teams were being so, so careful yeah, with the ball, which is what true. you got to do. Um, but okay, so what this comes down to is... And this is what weather does. It takes away one aspect of the offense. So you got to focus on rushing the ball. You become one dimensional. So it becomes easier to stop too. From Northwestern's point of view, they're like, oh, how do you win a game without a passing attack? <laughs> That's what we do every week. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up because this is, I mean, I have influence over the universe. Don't you think Fitzy has influence over the universe? And it's their second game versus a Big Ten East powerhouse where this has happened. Yes. They played in the monsoon versus that's, Penn State just that's a month right. ago. And, and by the way, people that obviously watch no football north of the Mason-Dixon <laughs> line, I have I have uh, several times seen them commenting negatively on Penn State saying they barely beat Northwestern. It's like, did you watch the game? With that being said... Is there a couple things that I can start to pick nits a little bit with Ohio State? Oh, I think there, I think there are. It, it you should be able to against this Northwestern defense. I'm not saying a typical one, but against this one, you should be able to just hand it off to your running backs and watch them grind down the field. And, right, and they did average For almost the, six yards a carry. So, so, so it's not, up, yeah, it's not like they did poorly there, but just to see them on, like be down seven nothing and then struggle just every 
single thing that they had to do was a struggle. Right. Um, and uh, I kind of going more off of versus Iowa versus Penn State at times. I mean, if you can remember, we were well into the fourth quarter before Ohio State's offense kind of exploded. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the blueprint is yet because I still fear the if, – if this means I'm an opposing team or defense going against Ohio State – I very much fear the Ohio State passing attack. I still fear their explosiveness in the rushing attack. With that being said, it seems like you can affect their rushing attack more mm. than what I ever had thought would have been the case just three weeks ago. And I'm going to go ahead and throw another thing in there. They kind of needed C.J. Stroud at times to pull the ball and run with it to, that, in order to get effective on the ground. That is a good point. Um, and I think I saw Ohio State fan. It's... There, there are little weird oddities with Ryan Day play calling where I feel like he has a game plan in his mind of what he wants to mm-hmm. do. And even if there are many things pointing to the fact that that wasn't the actual game plan. He, he gets too stubborn, I, right? Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. And I think I've seen Ohio State fans say it too. He, I mean, he came out he with the intention of throwing the ball. They were trying to throw the ball initially. And yes. It, it was not going to happen. And they just had to understand right then and there that's yeah. it. Uh, by the way, I put a disclaimer on all my picks this week after I tweeted them out. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, you, can, I, you know, check right. the um, – um, anyways, uh, the the streaks that were coming into this game, 20-plus uh, or more – 20 or more points Ohio State had scored in 69 nice straight games. They kept that one alive, Ooh. so that's up to 70 straight games. That's crazy. They have scored 21 points or more. By the way, in those 70 games, I guarantee this isn't the first bad weather game. You know, you're yeah. saying they've done it before. The one that died yesterday is they had scored 40 plus points in seven straight games. Mm. That tied a Big Ten record probably was theirs. Right. But they will not go to eighth because of obviously how this game came but, out. But if you just look at passing the ball, Northwestern was way more effective. I know. Because again, honestly, I think it was, I, probably comes down to play calling. It, yes, a little play bit. Call, and like, and, and they, they're, they're more, they're more in tuned with that type of play calling and offense than Ohio state is. Ohio state yeah. is used to hitting that big seam route seam route yeah. that explodes into a 60 sure. yard run and you blow things open. Now the safety is, you know, move back even further. You start hitting things <laughs> underneath. None of that was available. What are crazy stat that Northwestern was nine of 20 on third down, which isn't terrible for conditions like that. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, it, it seems like they would have moved the ball even better than they did with, with that stat. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna botch her, botch a quote, but I'm gonna okay. try it here. Remember in uh, what Batman was it with Bane, and he was like, "Oh, I don't know." It's you think darkness is your ally, but I was born in the darkness, molded by it. That was Northwestern, like, right? Oh, yes. you you think you're gonna you right? Know, yeah. I mean that no, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. It was it was dark out there, yeah. and I think it was Fitzy that was cast in the shadow. Pretty much. Uh, there's not much to break down in no, this there's game. Really not. Uh, Perk had a good Perk had a good tweet. And by the way, that's a Penn State fan, but he's like, Really? Are we doubting CJ Stroud? I think we have enough empirical data to say that CJ Stroud right. is a really good quarterback. It just happened to be I mean, it was consistent forty mile per hour wins from what I saw. So long story short. I still have faith in C.J. Stroud and the passing attack and the defense. I mean, this is yeah, a game it, it where mostly good. Could 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 Ohio State from two years ago had theoretically lost this game because their defense wasn't there? Yeah, it's, it's possible. And I do think it's another another feather in the cap of the defensive staff that they've improved things here. And one more thing. In a typical year, I probably would have said I just have too many questions right now about Ohio State for to consider them for the national championship, but it's, this is not a typical year. No, it's not. And we'll, maybe we can break down down just a little bit at the end of the podcast, yeah, okay. but I agree with you with the win. Ohio state moves to nine and Oh, with the loss Northwestern drops to one and eight next game up the bits. Oh, broken chair, Minnesota 20, Nebraska 13, the Gophers with 300 yards of total offense to the Huskers, 267. Speaking of the, Bits of broken chair. The Gophers were breaking their chairs for most of the first half, but it was the Huskers breaking their chairs uh, in the second half. Um, I don't know if this analogy will work, but 
if you had like balance, you know how you can mess with the balance in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of the game, the balance was completely on the the driver's side. Yeah, you know Nebraska, and it wasn't like you just and you just quick switched it to the to the passenger side. Mm-hmm. It just ever so slowly started moving to the passenger side, and at some point. It was perfectly balanced. You were both teams kind of yeah. looked about the same. It was ten to ten, and it just kept inching to the passenger side. Next thing you know, it's seventeen to ten, twenty to ten. The finish score is twenty thirteen. Like you have to give Minnesota credit for the fact that they got down by ten on the road, and they just kept doing what they do. That's to me. That's the story of this game: is how tough the Gophers are. Okay, because. First of all, you lose Tanner Morgan. He's out of the game. Mo, from what I heard, was not doing well pregame and was limping around, Was had a heavily taped ankle. To get down 10 nothing in Lincoln, and you, they didn't even panic at any point. Ethan comes in, a little bit of a step down from Tanner Morgan, but it didn't matter. They just used toughness and ground this game out. Building on that. what, And that's what this whole weekend is about, is grinding it out. <laughs> Pretty much. Building on that toughness, I don't, I don't know in the entire time we've been doing this podcast if there is a tougher player than Mo Ibrahim. No, that poor guy has been dinged up. I mean, it's two straight years basically he's been injured, and he just keeps going out there. He keeps going like, out. Like he is, a and I thought he was going. He's going to wear down. He did not right. wear down. Um, yeah, I'll put you on the spot. As visible from space or the International Space Station, you can see the Great Wall of China. As far as man-made things, yeah, Great Wall of China. Is there anything else? Hmm. Hmm. I was no. I was, I was I gonna look this like, up, and I completely forgot. Because you're not gonna see the pyramids from up there. But the let's say let's say those are the three: Great Wall of China, the pyramids, and most taped taped ankle. Those were the things you yeah. could see from space yeah. yesterday. Like it was a mound on his foot. You could tell he was noticeably limping. Limping. You know what happened? I think he just got lubed up, man. He got warm, and he just. But seriously, yeah. Like, what was his yards per carry? First quarter, second quarter, third quarter into the fourth. That's what I would like to know because to me, it notched up by a yard every quarter. By the end of the third quarter, Minnesota and Mo had took over this game. Yeah, I'm trying to make this more about Minnesota's toughness than the faltering of Nebraska because to me, I thought that's what looked like was the bigger story in the game. I thought this was a bigger story too, and actually. Believe it or not, the Minnesota wide receivers kind of showed up, kind of, but then also kind of didn't show. But I mean, I guess statistically, we actually they were there, they were present. Yeah, Daniel Jackson, Dylan Wright had some catches. Brown Stevens had some catches, mm. also some drops. Yeah, but the leading the leading receivers were wide receivers. Is yes. My point. Um, and then another thing too, I swear every time I watched the game, you know, when I was catching it yesterday on the secondary secondary TV and then my rewatch this morning, there was a Minnesota player going out of this game with an injury. Like there ev- was ev- everybody. I like, it seemed like everybody went out. It's another thing they fought through. Yeah. Worst place to hit 22 is right, be- right between the two and the two right now. Like, uh, but they keep rolling guys out there on the other side. Um, I do think Nebraska deserves some respect in the game plan right at the first, right at the beginning. They yeah. came out strong. Yeah. I mean, they went right down the field Why no? on that first drive. So Anthony Grant is just a beast, right? He's a great player. But they kind of went away from him yes. in the middle of this game. Yes. I was getting there, but yes. So Cool Whip wasn't so cool. Cool Whip has been sitting out too long. It's not it safe has. anymore. But he, w- but he had it. He had it going at the beginning. So what's he, going on? Just keep doing it. Is that another stubborn offensive play caller? I think so. Because he's like, okay, now we got a lead. Now we can have fun and pitch it around a little bit. You know when you're right about something with Nebraska fans is when you say something negative about any part of their team and they don't jump down your throat for it. Yeah. I have been pretty critical of Whipple, and I have gotten exactly zero blowback from people on him. And they're... It's just not a good fit. I mean, we're we're we are on the last stages of Whipple being at Nebraska. Right. It just is what it is. But you also you've got Thompson out of the game, and you know that your backups are not strong. You not the, strong throwing the ball. Throwing the ball. Okay. So this roster management is part of this, which is not on Whipple. Yeah. That's on the previous guy for not having, I don't know, two guys that can throw the ball on you know on the roster. Chubba was pulling it and running really well. That was a big part of the 10 points getting on the board right away in the first quarter. 
So you got to lean into that. And right. then I think very much limit the playbook on what he's trying to do throwing the ball. But what they were trying to do is essentially run Grant, run Chuba, and then take the YOLO shots to Trey Palmer, but they just weren't there. No. Like, but, defenses are adjusting to that to take Trey Palmer out, and they're saying, now see what you – they're going to make Whipple be consistent rush, rushing the ball and not taking the YOLO shots. That's not Whipple's game, man. That's no. not what he wants to do. No, it's not. And without Casey Thompson in there, there's only so much you can do with Trey Palmer. Yeah. Just – so so lean on your guy. That's what you should do. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like a Mo Ibrahim light. Yeah. Shout out to, by the way, Farmer. He had a great game yeah. at defensive end. Remember that big offseason accusation, uh, um, um, free agent that they picked up? O'Shane Mathis. Have you heard his name? Have you seen it? Four, well, no, yeah. Actually, yesterday he had four tackles, uh, uh, half a sack, and one and a half tackles for loss. Okay. My bad. Yeah. I guess I didn't pick that up on... Anyways, I feel like Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson, the guys that have been there forever, they're the ones that are doing a good job. Reimer, too. So By the I way, do think Tanner and was... Nelson both had good jobs. Yeah. Had, had good games. Farmer had a great game. Reimer had a good game. All the usual suspects. Usual suspects. By the way, you know, and I know you already touched on it, but I do think Ethan Calicmanis came in and gave him a spark. Yeah. And he can bring an element to the rushing attack with his legs. Not that Tanner can't do it, but... I don't know. It's just a little bit more physical dynamic. I do believe that played into Mo opening up in the second half as well. Well, I do like what I see with Ethan. Uh, he does need a little more help from the wide receivers, but I think you got a good future there. Yep. By the way, Mo, 17 consecutive 100-yard games, longest streak of this century for any player. So we've moved out of the Big Ten into anybody that has played the yeah. position. I mean, he's moved up into the ranks of most rushing yards in Big Ten history for a running back. I mean... He's an all-time go-for-grade officially. And had two touchdowns, which means he's only, what, 90 off the pace for Monty Ball? <laughs> Not going to get there, <laughs> but he's having a pretty good year and career. With the loss, Nebraska falls to 3-6, and six, which means they have to win out in order to be bowl eligible. Don't know if you saw the unfortunate stat floating around yesterday, but there are two Power 5 teams that have not gone to a bowl since 2017. Kansas... And Nebraska. Kansas is going to a bowl. They got their seventh win yesterday. Oh, sixth win yesterday. Sixth win. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad to see that. Yeah. Um, for Kansas, not so much for Nebraska. Right. So, yeah, I actually had you had me panicking there for a second because I had to think about Illinois. Like, Illinois. No, no, we, we no, didn't. No, you went. You we went, went, went like yeah. just a couple years ago. So, all right, moving on into the afternoon. Wow, Wisconsin, 23. Maryland 10, the Badgers with 355 yards of total offense. That sounds about right. The Terps 189. As Badgers guy 69 <laughs> tweeted me, the rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated. Yeah. I, you know, so to me, the most interesting thing about the Badgers season right now, and I, I, I'm sure this isn't the case for Badger fans. They just want to have a good year and go to a good bowl game. But I'm just so curious how the – the Jimmy Leonhard thing is working out. And to be honest, this looks like Wisconsin again. It looks a lot like Wisconsin. Um, when their defense is working that much. Now, another thing to point out, the passing yards yesterday, 77 for Mertz, 77 <laughs> for Leah Tagovailoa, which is just crazy. CJ Stroud, 76, Brandon Sullivan, 79. I know. The games are played within it's... a pretty much short distance of each other. Me thinks there's some sort of connection to the weather, which is obviously there the might theme be of some, this podcast. Some 80-yard glass ceiling on quarterbacks <laughs> in the in the Big Ten this weekend. So which one of these teams is built more to pay in these conditions, oh, Wisconsin or Maryland? By far, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is why you have to play this style of game. And rushing attack, Maryland has shown that they can do it. Their rushing yeah. wasn't great yesterday. No. But they got over 100 yards. It's, it's the front seven stopping a rushing attack. Like Wisconsin's, that's that's where the issue was yesterday. I mean, this literally came down to turnovers and who can run the ball. I mean, it's this is like old school football. This yep. is this is the way football was played for for decades. Uh, of course, uh, Braylon Allen gets his hundred yards, but you know what, Isaac Garenda, yeah. he had that long eighty nine yard run, but I he as he was running that ball, I'm like, I was thinking of players like James White, Monty Ball. 
Like, he's a little more talented than I think I've given him credit for. He's fast. He's fast. I think he's, like, a straight-up legit track dude. So he's fast. There's there's no doubt about that. He's a pretty good runner. Pretty good runner, too. Hasn't I like been, him. Hasn't been healthy. Um, I don't know. I I don't know what... There isn't a ton to bring, to pull out of this. No, there's right? not. I mean, Maryland was not able to run their offense. Locks is pissed. I guarantee he was flying back to, to Maryland just upset that he didn't get the chance to try to try to attack a Jimmy Leon hard defense mm-hmm. with, with more normal conditions. This is not what locks wants to be in. No, no, not at all. And I mean, this could happen in Maryland just as easily as it could happen in Wisconsin. As far as the weather, it just, it just was what it was. That That's, that's what the conditions were. That's what both teams had to play in. And this was the result. I mean, to be honest, the thing to talk about is Wisconsin's defense. Yes. Nick Herbig had two sacks, three tackles for loss. And just overall, with Jimmy Leon Hard, they've won three out of four here. Yes. And their loss versus Michigan State looks a little better now. Yeah, on the it road. does. It does. I Good mean, point. I moved them. I'll do my rankings in at over, the end. In overtime. In overtime. I, 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 I'll I do my rankings at the end, power rankings. I've I've moved them up quite a bit. They deserve to be moved up quite yeah, a bit at this point. They do. Uh, and real quick, the team rushing 46 carries, 278 yards, a team average of six yards a carry. That's... When Maryland knows you need to run the ball and you still pound out stats like that, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. With the win, Wisconsin moves to five and four with the loss. Maryland drops to six and three. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect for your classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your favorite go-to Big Ten podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where to find Amador at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California moving into the afternoon Michigan State 23 Illinois 15 the Spartans with 294 yards of offense to the Illini's 441 then I'm like okay that they lost oh there I mean I remember the fumble the Chase Brown fumble I'm I'm like there must be a couple more turnovers that I'm missing no no that was I know what's the penalties no that's it kind of looks weird on paper doesn't it Illinois, 25 first downs. That's moving the ball. They just couldn't punch it in? And that's what it, this comes... Okay, there's a lot of mistakes. We'll, we can talk about some of the mistakes. That's a big part. But if this is a, a team that can score in the red zone, oh, oh my gosh, they'd be a, a force. Yeah. And by the way, Illinois, I'm looking at you, and we should really talk about Michigan State probably more first, but I'm looking at you sitting there in the corner trying not to be noticed. No, no, no. I see you. If you want to be called a good team... You don't go out and lose to Indiana and Michigan State. I was giving you a pass in Indiana. I was being nice. I was being a nice guy because you know what a nice guy I am, right? <laughs> so nice. Everyone always says, Big Kurt, what a pleasant disposition. <laughs> now, I'm not being nice anymore. You can't lose to both those teams. By the way, by the way my, my uh, Hawkeye text group, they were wondering about you yesterday afternoon. They're like, JTG, how's, how's Big Kurt doing? And I just sent him a gif of Oscar the Grouch going yeah. back into his can. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I did. I went into my garbage can, and I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't pick up the phone. I didn't text anyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I thought you'd get a kick out of it in retrospect. Okay. <laughs> Illinois is still a good team. Let's not overstate this too much. Okay. But you you Fine. lost something off your fastball for being a great team. But we should – yes, you definitely did. Let's go and talk about Michigan State first okay. because I loved their game plan. I thought they came in – did a hell of a job on both sides of the ball being down too with yes. all these yep. all these players out they had everything this was a dumpster fire this this program coming into this game how do you how do you go on the road in that kind of weather and win a game against a team like this when you haven't been able to stop the run or run the ball yourself i know everything was stacked against them hence the 17 point line I took Michigan State simply because I know Illinois not to be the team that explodes off the screen with big plays. Like you just you just grind people down. But it wasn't because I thought Michigan State was going to put twenty three points on the board. Their team total going this game by Vegas was thirteen and a half, so they got over that by almost you know ten points. And, and another thing I want to show out too, 
I was shocked when I looked up the stats this morning. I, I thought Peyton Thorne had more than 182 yards passing. That surprised me. Yeah. Um, and dude, Sparty's got some receivers, man. Oh, they, they've, we've they've been, got some talent. We've been talking about them. Keon Coleman is good. Love Keon Coleman. I, in fact, I think it was the last cast. I said he's almost WR1. Yeah, at this point. he might be. He might be at this point. I mean, Reed had a great game, too. He had and maybe that's how it, Reed should be wide receiver, too. That's the that's the role. He, that, that's not a slight against him. Certainly isn't a slight he, against Keon. Like, he's built like a wide receiver. Yes. Too. I don't know. There's there's something there. And then Jalen Berger, I mean, a decent day, 81 it, yards. He, you he know? looked pretty good. By the way, side note here. You, you came after me when I, when I trashed Michigan State's uniforms against Michigan. These, these I didn't come at you. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't take as much offense to them as you. I mostly okay. agreed with you. Just didn't. Yeah. These uniforms they wore yesterday. Great. Perfect. Yes, they're amazing. Why would you go away from that against Michigan? I, I personally would not. They they are gorgeous. The uniforms they wore yesterday, best in the Big Ten. I don't know if they're best in the Big Ten. That's a bold statement, but they are way up there. Good ones. It was gorgeous. I thought, I thought it was an overall good uniform. It was game. a great uniform. It was game. a great uniform. In game. fact, I I've been on UniWatch. So they do a top five uniform games. Might have, every might have ranked up there. It's got to be in the top okay. five. Um, and I will say, not wearing those uniforms versus Michigan, I don't like that. Right. So I get that. Let's and back to Illinois. I, I mean, top- well, I want to go back to Michigan State, okay. which kind of, which kind of transitions in, into Illinois. So Illinois, of course, you know the conditions are bad, so you're going to have to run the ball. But they only averaged three point three yards per carry on the ground. So great job. By Michigan State. Again, I think they had yeah. a great game plan coming into this. But now I want to transition to Illinois, which is something I haven't talked about openly. I've been thinking it, and I haven't put it out into the into the you know the podverse or whatever. Uh their offensive line is fine at run blocking, but they're not anything more than just fine at run blocking. The the yards that they get on the ground are more due to Chase Brown than the offensive line. That's what I was saying yesterday when yeah. me and you were getting into it on who the Typical guy conversation. Kurt and I are sitting on one couch. Doug the Carthaginian is the next couch. Kurt and I are openly yelling at each other yeah. because I say Chase Brown is the MVP of Illinois, and you said no. No, I said Jerzan Newton is the best player, player in Illinois. Okay, that. And by the way, again, he had a great game. Again, forced the first interception. Yep. Got a pressure on Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne threw it up. That was his interception. And I'm not saying he's not a great player. I think though that the best player and the MVP happen to be the, in the same person, which is Chase Brown. I agree with what you're saying about Illinois' offensive line. It reminds me of, sorry to put Iowa into this, the the 2008 offensive line for Iowa was just okay. Yeah. Sean Green made that offensive line look great because yeah. Sean Green was great. Yeah. That's what I think Chase Brown does. If you take Chase Brown off this offense, cancel Christmas because it would struggle. I know. Because you- he makes it that much, like... And again, yes, he doesn't break the the huge ones. No, he doesn't. Because the safeties aren't far enough back or out of the picture because they don't they don't fear the downfield passing attack. I think so. So, but his ability to make a two yard carry into a seven yard game, it's incredible. Is this entire offense, hence the entire team? That's my argument. I mean, I'm going to vote for him for MVP of the team. Okay. I'm just I don't, and, and I know the pros are salivating over him. They're salivating more over Johnny Newton. Okay. Uh, and he'll he'll go and Newton will go higher in the draft because of the position. Yes. So so, by the way, but again the the oddity of these stats, Tommy DeVito twenty five thirty seven two hundred eight yards two touchdowns no picks, Juice point oh five catches ninety eight yards two touchdowns Chase Brown one hundred thirty six yards rushing. If you would have just seen that stat line, you'd been like, oh, yeah. Wait, wait. I mean, dumb mistakes and inability to punch it into the end zone. It like, was a cut. It was the turnovers and penalties were so amazingly ill timed. Yep. Missed field goal in there too. Am I making that up? Or? No. I thought, I thought hold on. So. Well, I can I can look it up while you're making and then the um and then the red zone offense that to me was the whole thing. It's just one of those deals where no no missed field goals, but yeah, okay. there's just bad things happening at bad times. Yes. And when when you get that interception right out of the gate, and you've got the wind at your back. And Literally, and you you can't punch it in for. I mean, a, a team that is in absolute disarray that you're going against, and you're at home. Come on, that like that kind of set the tone for the game, didn't it? I, I was gonna say if if 
that is either return for a touchdown or Chase Brown punches it in two plays later. How much different does this game look? Oh, so much different. But and I know they scored a touchdown because of field position on right. the next the next possession. But still, I I'm with you. But also, how about Michigan State's defense bowing up to not stop the touchdown? I know I, I, it, it was prevent the touchdown. What Michigan State did, it was it, it toughness and resiliency. It's either them or the Gophers for the weekend. I think I could make an argument since Mel Tucker has been at Michigan State. This is the top two or three jobs he did coaching. I. This I, week. I agree with that. I, I would be interested to hear from Spartan fans. I would be too. That. Because I didn't see that coming. Didn't expect Michigan State to get beat by three touchdowns. Didn't see him pulling out the win. Crazy. With the win, Michigan State moves to four and five. With the loss, Illinois falls to seven and two. I have to say it. You're still in Illinois. Okay. You, fan, real quick. Still in sole possession of first place. You would have traded all the bourbon in the world back in August to be right in this position that you're in right now. Of course. Now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But you know, out. you know what you said there? I'm not sure you caught that. You're still Illinois. That's how I, I No, I'm then I'm then I know, but I, how, how I heard it was yeah, I No, get I meant it. I that's not how I meant it at all. I know. For, for the record, I meant it is you're being Illinois I'm like, you're an Illinois fan, is what I meant. Like I know. look at this from an Illinois fan's point. But here's I, I, what I'm thinking. We're still Illinois. <laughs> Well, we'll talk maybe a little bit more on that in the end. All right, three games left. Penn State, 45, Indiana, 14. The Nittany Lions with 483 yards of offense to the Hoosiers, Hoosiers 196. Whew. This, uh, nothing was good here in Bloomington. Yeah, this was team. not a slow, methodical execution. This was just a chop-the-head-off execution. But yet, still getting some shots in after the head after the head was detached. Yeah, then beating them with that, beating the the body with the head or the head of the body. Um, here, just to give this up, Indiana offensive line gave up six sacks and sixteen tackles for loss. Oh, other Lord. other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, did you enjoy the play? That is wow. Holy twenty-two different times a Penn State player is behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> That is that is bad. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> it's Sean Clifford. I mean, didn't have a great day. You know, 15 of 23, 229 yards. Drew Allah Alar, 9 of 12, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Amazing throw on that goal line play. That, that was incredible. The players of the game, again, Katron Allen, 86 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. He also had two catches for 72 yards in this game. Wow. Like, Nick Singleton was the headliner, and I think I've said this on the podcast. He had a great day, too, by the way. 73 yards and a touchdown, but I don't know, man. Right now, if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm going back and forth on who my favorite freshman running back is, Katron Allen or Nick Singleton. And who knows what these guys are going to end up being. Like, will Katron Allen be this amazing superstar? But if he is, they're going to look back and call this the Katron Allen game. Because you... Okay. Because it's like it's coming out. I mean, he was... He was the best player on the field. He was. For both teams, both sides of the, of the ball, I think. But I don't want that in a disparaging situation in any way to Nick Singleton because he still looks good, too. He took over the Purdue game like that. So I guess my thing is they're 1A and 1B. Well, me. I'm not okay. saying one's better than the other. I'm okay. just saying that this was his game. Yes. Another person that made an amazing play. Did you see that Brendan Strange catch? Yeah. Freaking incredible. Love that guy. Another thing on Penn State, we can probably bury the once they lose a game, they fall apart deal, I think. Yeah. I mean, got beat by Michigan, came back to beat Minnesota, got beat by Ohio State, absolutely were dialed in versus Indiana. This has all the earmarks of a 10-2 and regular season game with the right matchup in a bowl finishing 11-2. This is yeah. a good team. Damn good team. By the way, another good uniform matchup here. Yes, it and was. Indiana, please go back to those uniforms full time. Just stick with them. They're awesome. This was a great uniform game. It really was. Awesome uniform And you know game. how I feel about Penn State and their uniforms, but it still looked great on the field. Looked great. By the way, Penn State, I don't agree with Kurt on his uniform takes. That's I love right. your uniforms home and away. Come at me, Penn State fans. But ooh, uh, our guy, DS, boldly made the uh, statement on the last podcast, oh, on yeah. the preview podcast, if Jack Tuttle plays, it should be a fireable <laughs> fireball offense for Tommy Allen. Jack Tuttle. Wait. What did, God, he, what did he mean by that? Can we go layer deeper ba- there? Basically, this take was <laughs> Cause, uh, it's because a, he, port- he, he was he's, in the portal. I know, he's portal. So they, he's, po- they unportaled him. Right. Hey, I know you haven't been practicing for three weeks, but 
And I don't know how long he's actually been gone. No, think about it. I think that's what DS. I think that's what DS meant. Okay. Like, hey, we need you. Come back out. Ah, don't worry about it. Come on and play. I'm just saying that's not a good look. No, it's not a good. What kind look. of message is that to send to your team? Right. Tommy Allen is. Well, he's dude. He, I the, hey, there's there's Chata. Desperate like, I, times call for desperate measures, and he's a desperate man right now. <laughs> He does have a desperate look about him. <laughs> well, he's right always now. had that look. Yes. Um, but Jack Tuttle, Dexter Williams, Brendan Sorsby. I did not make that name up. <laughs> sure, yeah. They were a collective 16 of 29 for 131 <laughs> yards, one touchdown, three picks. Brendan Sorsby? Yeah, that's a name. That's he's a, a freshman. Yeah. He's from Texas. From Texas. Well, and, yeah, and then you throw him out versus Penn State in that weather. That's great. It's not looking good in, in Indiana right now. I have, I have no, I don't have a bunch of positive things to say right now. The best thing is probably not to say anything. Probably. Yeah. With the win, Penn State moves to 7-2 and two with the loss. Indiana falls 2-3-6. and six. Next game up, our only evening game, Michigan 52, Rutgers 17. The Wolverines with 433 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights. 180. Um, this kind of started how I thought, which is a sluggish Michigan after... You know, rivalry game and all the they had a crazy week yeah, too. Okay, right? good point. Yep, but it was also a slugging Rutgers defense. Yeah, yep. Got to give them credit. And by the way, you look at this score. You like, yeah, of course, Michigan just routed Rutgers, ran them off the field. That wasn't the case in this in no. the first half. This was a fighting Rutgers team, very much. And it's one of those deals where at halftime you're like, listen. And and by the way, truth be told, nothing against. Michigan, that I don't look at these things financially as a I'm against anybody. I look at it as what is Vegas telling me? Sure. I took Rutgers plus 26. Felt pretty good when at halftime I was getting yeah. 30 points. <laughs> right. But then Gavin Wimsett was like, hey, I know Halloween was on Monday, but here's something for you. Here's something. He, here's he was giving out footballs like, hey, there's a Butterfinger. Eh, there, which there's is, some Skittles. Right, which is weird because immediately before halftime, their last possession – he was methodically carving up the Michigan defense, and they he matriculated the ball down the field the way that you expect a good quarterback to do. And, yeah. and like, oh, this is the game. And just Winston. making athletic plays. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I do see the talent Rutgers fans. But he was throwing the ball, too. He was. Pass complete, pass complete, And then he was throwing complete. the ball to Michigan. Well, then, the then he started That's throwing. That's what ignited the whole. I know. Then That's he started throwing the ball, completing it to the other guys. And that's when it, the wheels fell off the wagon. Listen, Rutgers is not making a bowl. I know that their record is not that bad, but what they got left on the schedule is just tough. I, I, let me restate that. Very low chance Rutgers is making a bowl, okay? Yeah. And and Gavin Wims, that's your guy. I understand that. You have got to coach him up to take care of the ball these last three games. Yeah. That is the number one goal of Rutgers football for the rest of November. Stop making so many turnovers, Gavin Wims. What they need to do is when they run the play-in, start with don't give the ball to the other team. X, Y, 26 flat, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yep. That's what I need. Every play call should start with don't turn the ball over. Pretty much. Uh, switching to Michigan, you know, the team that won. I, okay. I want to honestly talk mostly about the defense. The defense is – I I think the best defense in the Big Ten is between two teams now. Okay. go. Which two do you think I'm alluding to? Well, Michigan is one. Yep. And do you think it's Iowa or Illinois? I think it's Iowa. I think it's Iowa too. And you've you've said it, so I'm kind of going off what you said. And when Illinois, but those gone, are your top three, definitely top three, definitely yeah. top three. I so don't you know think, who I would slot. I think I would slot Iowa number one. I think it, I would. It's too. a one A one B thing to me right now. Michigan okay. is rounding into form defensively. I mean, the well, rushing stats for Rutgers, <laughs> yeah, nineteen it. carries, fourteen yards, and that was with some runs by Wimsett. Correct. I mean, the, the running backs were going backwards. Three sacks, two, seven tackles for loss. I don't know, man. I'm just saying this defense is another reason why Michigan can get to 13-0 and be a force in the college football playoffs. I'm going to put you on the spot here. This is a quick quiz. How many yards do you think was the longest run by a Rutgers running back yesterday? Four. Close. Eight was the okay. longest rush by a I, – I went – I went low because, you know, of the nature of the question. But, but that's that's playing good defense. That's playing pretty good defense. Now, if you gave up 
eight eight yard runs, you know, that's a lot, but that's not what we had here. I'm guessing that was there wasn't very many that were eight yards after that one. Leading running back rusher, Kyle Manange, yep. seventeen yards. Yeah. Not too yep. bad. Not next good. next best running back, nine yards. Yep. Um, JJ McCarthy showed me something. Okay. Like yep. Rutgers was daring Michigan to throw the ball. They were pretty conservative with the game plan in the first half, then not as much in the second half. He winds up not not eye popping stats, but 151 yards, two touchdowns. By the way, Donovan Edwards, okay. Assuming Ronnie Bell is the number one receiver, <laughs> is Donovan Edwards the number two, the second best receiver? Which is weird because they have so much talent out there. Like, how can they not get the ball to Andrew Lanth anymore? They're looking for Donovan Edwards in red zone situations throwing the ball. I mean, it was an amazing play. He was the leading receiver. Yeah. Three catches, 52 yards, a touchdown. By the way, 109 yards rushing for Donovan Edwards. 109 yards rushing for Blake Orm. There's so many, like, statistical, like, yeah, mirrors. And, And back to one more thing about their defense. Five first downs. They gave up five first downs. Yeah. Yeah. You kidding me? And and one of the scores we should point out was off a block point. So, yeah, I, I mean it's a Rutgers team with fight that plays good defense. Rutgers could have muddied that up and kept it close. Michigan was winning this game no matter what. Yeah, but it exploded because of the errors. Michigan and but I see a lot of well they just put those points on the board because of the turnovers, which is true. But like Michigan has a hand in these turnovers getting forced because. There's nowhere to go with the ball right now no. versus the de- this yeah. defense. And that's what happens when you start getting frustrated with an offense. But anyways, they're going to put a lot of teams into a conundrum from here on out. With the win, Michigan moves to 9-0 and with the loss. Rutgers falls to 4-5. and Next up, the Big Ten game of the week. Real quick, I'm going to start here <laughs> to the game. I don't know if there's a name. Doubt there's many Purdue fans listening to this. Well, one, DS. Um, but whatever their <laughs> their train thing is, when it comes out with the team, it broke down and was no longer moving. And then the Iowa Swarm came out right after that from their side of the locker room and almost ran the train over. It was a sign of things to come in this football game. Somewhat apropos to the way the Purdue season's going at the moment. Yes. I mean, it's still, yeah. It, yeah. not that it's over. Nope. I'm not saying it's over. Nope. They have, they're nope. going to have their opportunities. Yes. But don't you see their, yeah. Yeah, we'll their talk trajectory is going a little down. Yes. A yes, little, little down. What would cause us, us to say that? Iowa 24, Purdue 3. The Hawks with 376 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers 168. Another, you know, look inside my, my things that I do. Um, I took the under in this game. Mm, good for you. Which was 39 and a half. Okay, good for me. 24 to 3 was the score one minute into the third quarter. That's 27 points. Sure. <laughs> I, no, I did not feel good about no. Two touchdowns was perfectly over. It was a half point over for this game. I didn't think for a second that Purdue wasn't going to get at least a touchdown, right. if not two more right. in this game. I, I, I agree. It. This could be the best defensive performance for Iowa the whole season? Okay, do, do you really think so? Because you got weather factored into this game, and you've got a passing offense here. So don't you think that was part of what was going on here? Don't, I mean, yeah. You have to, I mean, part, you have to admit. Of, part of it. But Spencer Peters, 13 of 23, 192 yards and two touchdowns. You're saying offense. I, you I'm said just defense. Saying, like, you said defense. Okay, no, okay. I, I probably didn't make a – what I'm saying is if – if the conditions were so bad, like when you look at Northwestern and, and Ohio State, Maryland, and Wisconsin, nobody was throwing the ball yeah. in that game. Yeah. Pe- Peters had success. I know, if but- Spencer Peters can have success in those conditions, then Aiden O'Connell can have success in those conditions. Well, okay. In my opinion, he wasn't having success because of the Iowa defense and Phil Parker. Okay. That's my take. Is, that, right, a homer? So- Is that a homer take? Um, No, not, not a homer take. Um, But Aiden O'Purdue... As as we're gonna we're gonna be calling him twenty of forty three hundred and sixty eight yeah zero touches two interceptions and then yeah you look at Spencer Petrus actually was productive so yeah you do got to give some credit to the Iowa yeah. defense another another thing too I felt like they were forcing the ball to 
Charlie Purdue way too much. I mean, 11 catches, 104 yards, but his targets were like 25. Yeah, it was 12 targets to Charlie Purdue in the first half. Okay. So they had to have been close to double that by, by the end of the game? I would think so. I mean, that's the I only mean, that was their offense. That was their offense. By the way, Devon Purdue, he had 14 carries, 65 yards, a 4.6 yard average. Should have they ran on the rush or relied on the rushing attack a little bit I'm, more? And I'm going to go a step further. Dylan Purdue looked pretty good when they would give him the rock, too. Maybe Jeff Purdue, like Fondue, was not <laughs> doing a very good. This is getting a little cheesy. I think <laughs> if anybody has any idea what we're talking about, we were openly um, having fun at the fact that Purdue had Purdue on the back of their. We just think that's. I don't it's like played. it. I'm maybe, so played. We might be going a little too deep into uniforms in this podcast yeah. in general, but I just don't like when teams do that. It, I'd rather just, if you don't want to put their names on there, just don't have anything in the back. I would feel better about that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Even though I, I'd rather have their names I'd on the back. I'd rather have their names on the back. Um, long story short is, I wonder if, are we sticking with it or are we moving on from that? Eh, whatever. Whatever feels right. It's hard uh, can, to say, though. Can, it is. Um, Charlie Jones, let me see if I can I can say this correctly, but Charlie Jones made the correct business decision for Charlie Jones yeah, to go to Purdue. Nothing's sure. changed with that. By the way, he is somehow 0-3 against Purdue and Iowa now. I'm serious. It's a tough one. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Um, uh, with that being said, I wonder if he peaked in draft status a couple weeks ago, and now teams are going to be like, well, yeah, he had all these catches because they are literally oh, looking for him. They're just funneling the ball to him. Do you know? What I mean? Does that make sense? Like, I, it's like, and he's such a focal point of the offense that it's starting to be a, a detriment to how good of a player he is. Right. And I, this is going to sound bad. I'm, I, there's really no way to put this. He's, he's not David Bell. No. I mean, with I David like Bell, you could get away with that. Right. I, I, with Charlie Jones, but they didn't try to force the ball into David Bell as much. As, I mean, they. Did, I think it's they, they did against Iowa. They would just. I, I, feed okay, him that's against. heck. But not over six, seven games. No, 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 no. Talking. No. Um, and, and I, I there. This is it's it's starting to be a detriment to the offense. Is that fair? Yeah, because then you got Payne Purdue out there. He only gets two <laughs> catches. You went back at it. Good for you. But seriously, okay. Can I can I give you the play of the game? It's a little nuanced. Okay. Here. Still early. It was zero zero and. The right play was diagnosed, called up, and Peters just missed it. He missed the guy. Okay. And uh, he went to the sideline, mm-hmm. and uh, I was offensive corner. I can't, I can't think of his name. I don't know. I never hear him talked about on the internet. Okay. Anyways, he walked by that, Peters. That said guy. Something, that guy. Yeah. And then Peters sat down, and then I was offensive ca- corner, came over. The cameras caught it, and he chewed some ass. Now, I want to preface this by saying, I don't believe coaches, football coaches, should relentlessly chew ass. And when you are constantly playing mind games, I think that's more of a that's more of a look on your character and inability to actually adjust. However, sometimes you got to get your ass chewed yeah. to get your head out of your ass. I think that's what Iowa's offensive coordinator did. And you know what happened right after that? Peters went to work. And he looked good in this game. Hey, he did. And, and you know, something's broken loose with their offense. Definitely. I don't know what it is, but something broke loose. I we, I did say, I'm going to pat myself on the back, everything regresses towards the mean. It's not going to be this bad all year. It's going to get better. It, what? <laughs> I got a stat to point that. I, I, oh, okay. I, I wanted, well, I, I just wanted yeah. to point out that he had 8.3 yards per attempt, which is pretty damn good in those conditions, versus Aiden O'Purdue only had 3.9. Right. I mean, who would have... If you would have seen those stats blindly yesterday, you, oh, would, you would have known who to pick. Oh, yeah, Peter said 3.9. Purdue, and and Iowa went back to being Iowa, and this yeah. is what it is. To try to kind of build on what you said, arrogantly, back in August when we did the team preview, yeah. <laughs> I predicted Iowa to be 88th in total offense. And okay. I think I might even have said 80th. I can't remember. Right? Like, yeah. this was my expectation. Arrogantly, for, yes. Yeah. So here is Iowa's averages over the last two games versus Northwestern and Purdue. Okay. okay. They've averaged 28.5 points a game, okay. which would put them 70th in the country <laughs> okay. currently. Yeah. They have had 387 yards per game, which would currently put them 77th in the country. 
So now they got to play Wisconsin, good defense. Minnesota, yep. good defense. Yep. Nebraska, not so good defense. What happens if over the next three games, adding in these five, yeah. or adding in these two for five, what, if, what happens if they're right around 88th in total offense? How much better will this team's record look in the second half of the season if they are the 88th right. rated offense for the last five games? I tell you what, Iowa State doesn't want to play this Iowa team. Illinois doesn't want to play this Iowa team. Thank you. That means a lot that you said that. I'm man. serious. It is a better. It's better. It's a better team. And if you had to ask why, I, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I think I nailed it when the changes they made on the offensive line, moving Connor Colby into the inside. Okay. It has opened up the inside zone. Now defenses okay. have got to put more guys in the inside zone. And guess who went off because of it? Oh, Caleb Johnson, 22 carries, 200 yards. And a touchdown, including a 75-yard dash to start off the third quarter, which essentially was the dagger. I mean, Purdue pretty much folded the tent after that. Um, I'm going to call out Iowa fans just real quick here. You know, you're bitching and moaning and whining and crying. You little babies. You're one game technically behind Illinois. I know you don't have the tiebreaker head-to-head, but does it really look that bad? Does the season look that bad right now? I I hate I mean, it. I love my Iowa brethren. I always be a Hawkeye, but like I've been a little frustrated with Iowa fans the past couple weeks. I I had the audacity to throw out that maybe we're not as bad of a football team as we're being made out to be. It was Iowa fans that attacked me. That doesn't mean all sins are forgiven for how bad this offense looked through the first half of the season. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I think the coaches and players deserve a little bit of credit of continually grinding and gotten to the point. And they found the right formula with the O-line and Petra's playing a little bit better getting Caleb, by the way, another thing. Oh, Kirk Ferentz never plays freshman. I think Caleb Johnson has, has been pretty freaking amazing and they have given him ample time to develop as a running back this year. There definitely is slings and arrows that were deserved leading into the last two games. Let the kids have fun when they the fruits of their labor come through. Like, my yep. gosh, you know, you, two things can be true at once. Okay, so you got four teams bunched up at three and three. Iowa just beat one of those in Purdue. And guess who you got in your schedule still? Wisconsin and Minnesota. We'll get to this at the end, but right. that There's still a lot out. Now, unfortunately, I, I am anti-Illinois from here on out. Sure, I, I have to be if I was going to do the miraculous thing and get back to Indianapolis yep. with an eight and four record. Um it's it's the best possible outcome. Do I still think that's going to happen? Probably not. But the fact that we are now into November and Iowa is still a candidate to get to Indianapolis, if this is the worst year Iowa's had forever, it's not that bad. And again, two things can be true. I understand Iowa fans. You want a better offense. Definitely. I get it. I, but it's enough of the whining and crying and bitching and moaning. I'm just tired of it. I mean... Spencer Peters had the audacity to have a quote that basically said something like, you guys all were, you know, putting us out to dead, but that's not football. You stick with it. You keep working. You get better and good things happen. Shut up. You know, and I know what's going on is they're afraid if there's any momentum and good news with the offense that KF isn't going to make any changes. I understand the the psyche behind it. But at the same time, you ain't ever going to catch me not cheering for Iowa to win a football contest. Right. I, I'm not not down with that, and I'm never not going to be happy when they pull out a victory. Going against, We've gone against all the bad teams and all the good teams. This was the first time that it was like an average team. Yeah. They win 24-3. to I mean, I yeah. think that's encouraging. By the way, shout-out, too, to Sam Laporta and Nico Ragaini. Um, and and uh, three sacks, five tackles for loss for Iowa's offense – or for Iowa's defense – and dude, Aiden O. Purdue, he is sore today. That yeah. was a yeah. beating that, that happened there. With the win, Iowa moves to five and four. With the loss, Purdue drops to five and four. Um, we didn't talk about it a whole bunch, but because of the conditions that were in uh all around Big Ten country, there wasn't a plethora of players to point out for the weekly Eisman. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Quorum could be out there. I would give a very, very big shout out to Katron Allen. Like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. would be in my second. But I don't know if it going against the Indiana defense is yeah, quite okay. as much. So I, I think we agreed on it. But I, I got Caleb Johnson. Yeah, no, that's I, fair. I mean, that's that's, that's who I would have gone with. Okay, 
Um, so then moving on to the power rankings. Um, just had it up, and of course it disappears. So these are my power rankings that I do um, every week. So right now, I switched. I've got Michigan 1 and Ohio State 2. I'm okay with that. You're okay with it the other way around, too? Yeah, I'd probably be okay with so it the other I. way around. So would I. I I think Michigan's just looked a little bit more dominant lately. Yes. Yeah? I think so. Say? Yeah. Okay. Number three, all by itself, and the second tier is Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. Card to... I mean, they, they, it was a beatdown. Yeah, right? That's what you're supposed to do. So then four through ten, I have in one tier, and this is in order. Illinois, four. Wisconsin, five. Minnesota, six. Iowa, seven. Maryland, eight. Nine, Purdue. And I have ten, Michigan State. Yeah, I know. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? Is it? Am I weird that those are all teams are bunched up together? No, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. It's just funny. Like, Purdue beat Maryland. Wisconsin beat Maryland. But Michigan State beat Wisconsin. Illinois beat Iowa. Illinois beat Purdue, but Iowa beat Purdue. Minnesota got beat. By, dude, it's you can't use head to head with that bunch. No, because they've all they've all beat and and gotten beat by one another. I don't know what to say. Michigan State showing a spark, man. They are number eleven and twelve. The next tier, I have Nebraska and Rutgers. I feel like Rutgers has shown more fight. So I've got down in the tier together now. Number thirteen, Indiana. Number fourteen, Northwestern. Yeah, you got to give Northwestern some credit. I mean, we, we we had them by far. Like it was basically thirteen, a gap, and then Northwestern. Yeah. Not anymore. Well, I don't know if it's so much giving Northwestern credit is. You got to give them some credit for what they did against Ohio State. Yes, I do, and that's where I kept them there. My thing right now is the Indiana team with the quarterback situation oh, it's a disaster so that's it's more of them dropping down to northwestern's level is what i'm saying okay <laughs> is that fair maybe the, do they meet in between <laughs> something like that yeah uh by the way the big 10 west race it's just crazy it is the wild wild west but by, by the way if you want to compare something right now look at the big 10 west okay now look at the big 12 have you seen the big 12 standings no, i have not Everybody in that conference is six and three, Hold on. except for TCU. Let me take, let me so take it's like, am I saying that it's the exact same with the Big Ten West and oh the my Big gosh. Twelve? Look at that. That's crazy. One great team at the top. Their worst team is three and six. West Virginia. They're not that bad. No, they're not that bad. That's but crazy. It's just, but one is going to be labeled a sickos committee thing. The other one's going to be labeled a compelling race. I'm just saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, another thing that I would point out is the college football playoffs. We saw some big plays or big games openly cheering for LSU. I mean, Alabama is at two losses right now. It's crazy. Huh? They may not make it. As the Go Big Redcast tweeted out, who would have thought mid-November both Alabama and Nebraska are not out of the college football playoffs? (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty good. Love seeing Bama out. Now, one thing is like, I don't know if DS and I need to eat crow because we were making fun of LSU being 10th. Then they turn around and beat yeah, Alabama. Sure. With that being said, I still say the committee put them there because they were trying to give Alabama a feather in their cap. Didn't LSU work. You beat them. <laughs> yeah. You don't know why. So now they got, but now do they have to bump LSU higher than 10? Well, and that's where we're going to get at. Can I, can I say something though? I, Alabama's not that good this year. No, I know. They're, they're, I, you know, like, Alabama and Penn State, I don't see that big a difference. No, this year, and I and I think Michigan and Ohio State are definitely better than Alabama. Yes. Um, I, prediction. Okay, since this is Sunday when we're recording, number one obviously will be Georgia. I think it's going to be interesting on who's going to be two and three between Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah. I'm, My guess is honestly, I, I they'll probably go Ohio State. I think they'll. Now that I've thought through it, I think they'll do Ohio State two and Michigan yep. three. Tennessee's gonna be four. Yep. Above TCU at five. And then yep. and then and then who's it gonna be after that for six? You know, like USC is up there. Yeah. Like we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But they'll Tennessee will drop from one to four. Yeah. That's how it'll go. That's what that's like. And the top four is two Big Ten teams, I know. two SEC teams. I know. Yeah. We'll see. See how it goes. I think it'll hash itself out though. It, it, it will. But like can can I mean I think it was, was it Danny Cannell? I think it was Danny Cannell. Where the middle of the week, he's like, 
think of how preposterous it was that people were openly talking about three SEC teams being the college Ugh. football playoff. Like, just be quiet. Right. Can, we, not, can we just, wait for the season to play out or at just least a little bit? Just learn from your past mistakes and understand the mathematics of how what it would take sure. for that to happen are so preposterous. Right. Just shut up. I mean, right now, I think there's a decent chance there's, there's one SEC. But, I mean, Clemson, by the way, that's another one, just got depleted by Notre Dame. Like, just depleted <laughs> by Notre Dame. But Didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming, but... Um, Clemson, North Carolina can all finish with one loss. USC can finish with one loss. UCLA, Oregon can all finish mm. with one loss. TCU can finish with zero losses. Michigan, Ohio State, loser can have one loss in the winner being 13-0. There are a lot of teams still out there to pick from to prevent, hopefully, there being two SEC teams in. With that I mean, being said, it would be nice to see Tennessee lose another game. Well, or would you rather have Georgia lose another game? I mean, I'd rather see Tennessee. I, I know it's hard because of their fans, but I, I'd rather see a Tennessee in the playoff than a Georgia again. I guess I'm assuming Georgia's already in okay. by, by that. But So I'm with you there on that sentiment. I, I just don't see it happening. Sure. For what Georgia did to Tennessee yesterday. Yeah, good point. Who are they going to get beat by? All right, got anything else? Nope. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.